we got to show up. You know, if you want other people like you to show up, there's no way around that. Welcome to Muiyin, the first platform created to educate and inspire Muay Thai fighters and enthusiasts. We aim to pave a clearer path for those that need it the most. Equal pay, equal spotlight, equal opportunities. Muay Thai forever. Now, being a professional fighter, starting a podcast was not easy time-wise or financially. So, first off, big thank you to Satra Wood for assisting me financially in purchasing my first set of podcasting equipment. Check them out for Muay Thai apparel. They've got some super original designs in the form of Muay Thai shorts and shirts. Another shout out to my brother Andrew for helping out with the equipment as well. Hello and welcome to Muiying the podcast. Today's topic is we don't have all the answers. Today we have Jess Eisen on the show. Jess is an amateur Muay Thai fighter that I met at one of my seminars earlier this year. She's been training for about four years and has quite a uh, well, not a whole lot of fights, but <laughs> enough fights to call herself a fighter. Uh, thanks for coming on to chat, Jess. How has your week in Muay Thai been? Oh, it's been good. It's been good. I actually have been doing a strength training routine the last four weeks, just like kind of a grind in between fight camps. So I just finished. I get my rest week. So looking forward to actually, I'm looking forward to getting back to training Muay Thai because I've been so focused on the, the weights that the I couldn't do stuff. it. I actually feel yeah. like a lot of Muay Thai fighters don't do it enough strength stuff. Yep. I think they're uh, too uh, worried about putting on muscle weight or mm -hmm. too worried about it making them too tired for training. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what I used to think too. But I have a coach that also fights. It's a certified personal trainer. So he's been doing some customized stuff with us. It's like focused around the movements we do. He's got some cool stuff. He has like this like rollerblade looking thing that fits on your foot and has a weight attached. So you can do like leg lifts, like all sorts of all sorts of good stuff. <laughs> so like yeah, fun. I've been working on my balance mostly. So hopefully it'll help. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so like I said before, like, uh, I met you in Virginia Beach. I, I wasn't really sure which area you were from because I, we did have a group that came all the way from West Virginia. We had some people come in from a little bit out of town too. And also, uh, I asked Jose who owns the gym about like, oh, does, uh, does Jess have social media or anything? I really like want to follow <laughs> her journey. And he's like, uh, no, but I think I can get her email. So I was like, okay, do that. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell us about yourself? Like, I don't know much about you either. I just know that you do Muay Thai. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. That's a good starting point. Uh, well, my name is Jess. Uh, I live in Richmond, Virginia. And I've been training, like you said, for about four years. Casual, it's a hobby for me. I mean, I'm serious about it. I want to get better, but I'm not, you know, trying to make a career out of it. I'm a software engineer by day, just nice. It's pretty flexible, so it gives me a lot of room to train and so forth. Been on female hormones for about ten years now, since I was nineteen. So, kind of have the long term view of that. And I know a few other folks that are trans that are um, trained Muay Thai. Nobody that's trying to fight, which is. Not surprising because it's a little tricky to navigate. Mm -hmm. Like dogs, like books, like bikes, like video games, just, you know, standard nerd stuff. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't know all of that before, but now I'm like, ooh, I wish we lived closer <laughs> <laughs> so we can like see dogs yeah. together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen your Instagram. I, you got some cute ones too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So you, you you've been on female hormones for 10 years and you started training four years ago. How did you even stumble onto Muay Thai and what made you like just go, oh, I want to try that? 
Well, uh, so previous to Muay Thai, I did a lot of rock climbing and also soccer, like especially indoor soccer. Um, but I was talking to someone on Tinder that trained Muay Thai and they were like, hey, come check out my gym. And we're just, we're still buds. You know, we, we were, it's just a friendly introduction, but uh, they brought me to their gym. It was really great. Um, it was taught by this uh, badass woman named Annie. So it was really approachable from the start. I kind of had this view of combat sports gyms for adults as being full of big muscly dudes that are you know, a lot of testosterone and so it was a really welcoming environment and uh really tiny classes so it was great for a beginner because you get the coach really walking you through things so that was a wonderful start but unfortunately that gym closed um, but i stuck with it you know i like uh i i like team sports but i like it kind of being on me and like my own head and not having to coordinate with other people as much besides my coaches and i like the multi-dimensional elements i like it's both your brain and your body you got to use your brain before your body you can't just you know can't just grind um so it's it's been a really interesting sport and you know i i've learned more about the culture and the history and it's a fascinating and you know textured past and it's it's cool to see things grow you know especially what's going on right now at the stadiums in thailand is really cool to see fig- folks figuring out how to you know adjust for changing times yeah so. yeah yeah you hit uh some interesting points there too I'm sure having a woman as the head coach, am I saying that? Is, is that correct? Yep. I'm sure that changes the, the dynamic of a gym a lot because uh, oh, yeah. most of the gyms I've been to, the head coach slash owner uh, is always a man, which there's nothing wrong with. Uh, but there have been gyms where I stepped into and it was just, again, that very bro-y like, culture. And it's just, it's it's very intimidating. And yep. you just don't know like where you see yourself in it. And sometimes you just don't know, like, oh, how are they going to receive me? So it's mm-hmm. it's so great that you had that great experience right from the get-go. Because things could have went very, very bad. <laughs> I've heard some bad experiences from people. Oh, yeah. I'm really grateful for it. Did you go in training, like, just thinking, like, oh, I just want to learn? Or did you go in and be like, oh, that's badass. I want to fight. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was kind of thinking about it. I feel like my first few weeks, I asked my coach, like, well, what do they do with trans people? Like, what the hell? Because it's like, I wasn't necessarily trying to fight. But if I'm getting interested in something, I want to know where it can go. Um, And then also, when I find out that there's not really any structure for something, it makes me want to push at it because I'm just Um, but no, I was just something cool to do. Um, I always wanted to do martial arts as a kid, but I played like fiddle and soccer and never had the time. So kind of a late start. Uh, But you actually had some cool stuff to say about that at your seminar, though, where you start late, but then maybe you have your passion growing instead of turning it into an obligation. So that stuck with me. Good, good insight. Uh, oh, I, well, I'm glad. Uh, I always try to bring up that point because like, especially being I've been in, I was in Thailand for like five and a half years. And when I go back, it would be like pretty much six. So just seeing like these very, very high level Thai fighters, they're just so technically sound and they could destroy any of us without even trying. <laughs> But the thing is, like, they for them, it's work, mm-hmm. right? And they don't want anything to do with it on their days off. Uh, whereas for us, it's it's very much a choice. It's a passion thing. So I do think that if you consciously choose something, no matter where you are in life, you do appreciate having it more. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you end up starting to fight? Uh, was it sometime last year or a couple of years ago? Um, let's see, I guess it would have been a year before the pandemic. I did some, like, PKBs. Those are point tournaments that gave puts on like semi-contact intended for experience, like no knockouts doesn't go on your record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did one of those, I believe in 2018. And that was actually my only fight against a woman, cis woman in this case, um, which was cool. Uh, Johnny mm-hmm. Davis, you know, came in and he was like, yeah, they're fine with it. I'm fine with it. Just 
especially because it's semi-contact, you know, I think it's a safe approach. Um, and it was, it was cool. It wasn't mm-hmm. the best matchup. I had a lot of height and a, like, I think more experience. So it was, you know, it was, it was a little one-sided, but it wasn't like nasty. Like we both were fine with it afterwards. Like we're sure that she would fight me again. If she, if we were, you know, in the same event. Um, but actually the coach of that gym got pissed. Uh, it was apex martial arts. Um, and he was talking a lot of trash about it being like messed up or whatever. And, so uh, since then, uh, even at the point tournaments, I'm fighting guys um, for IKF and every event since then. Um, but actually, that was a really interesting experience for me because uh, people were coming up to me, like, especially tall cis ladies that were like, yo, like, there's another tall lady here. Like, let's set something up. Like, you know, because there's a hunger for opponents, especially when you're in the taller weight classes, you know, cis women or trans women or whatever. So, you know, that was that was what I've encountered with people my size <laughs> who I would fight. The issues I've had mostly have been with, you know, coaches and, or not coaches, but like promoters and armchair people. I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, it's a hard thing to balance. I don't mean to be throwing them under the bus, but uh, it was cool to meet, you know, fighters that wanted to fight because I hadn't, you know, up until then I'd just been sparring in the gym and I go to a pretty family gym. You know, there weren't a lot of fighters at the time that we're, we're growing our fight team. Um, But yeah, 2018. I'm going to touch upon some of the points you said earlier, but just to backtrack a little bit, when you did express uh, the fact that you were thinking about competing or you did want to compete, what did your coach say to you? Like, I'm, like, I'm curious. So this was Annie Hilditch, um, and she said, oh, I don't really know. I'll look into it. I don't think there's really much rules, basically. Um, and But, you know, I'll, she said, you know, if you get to that point, I'll support you in it. I mean, she was, you know, she didn't shy. And it was a very, like, it was a very open-ended question then because I was, you know, I was still learning how to throw switch kicks. Like, I wasn't trying to fight anytime soon. Right. Uh, my second gym, Richmond BJJ, uh, was um, Eric was the coach there, Eric and Jarrett. Um, and Eric, Eric's attitude was similar. I didn't actually ask him about it that much because um, there wasn't as much of an emphasis on fighting at the time I was there, though they certainly fight. Um, but, you know, his attitude was kind of just like, go for it. Um, but I really only have been fighting out of my current gym, Revolution BJJ, which is uh, run by Jarrett Church. Um, and there's some badass ladies that fight out of there, too. It's part of why I train there. Is it's a really nice, like, diverse gym. Um, but he also, I mean, his attitude's like, go for it. I'll support you, whatever you want to do. Um, and he wanted to know, you know, my preferences, which I appreciated. My preferences are, you know, I'd probably prefer to fight people more like me, whatever that means. Um, but I want fights, bottom line. Um, he luckily had some connections uh, in the sense that, like, he knows the promoters. You know, we've been to enough events that he has kind of back channels with them. Um, so he he at least could, like, text them or email them and, like, you know, that's how I found out it's okay for me to compete against, like, cis ladies in that first PKB, which was cool. That was a great start. Seemed promising, though, unfortunately, it got a little shakier. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of all my coaches have been like, well, we don't really know, but we'll help you out. Um, and then Jared just happened to have the connections to really help. And then I've... Get your foot into yeah, the door, Yeah, right? and also, like, <laughs> you know, I, I've been in other communities that have this issue. Like, it's not a problem unique to Muay Thai, so I've kind of learned how to bug and try to get answers like i i was i've been emailing these people you know since the start um wk has kind of been giving me the run around they're always going to have a board meeting to discuss it but they never are inviting community members which is a little unfortunate is, is that generally the answer you get when you ask about yourself as a trans woman and you're like hey uh, what can i do to fight do they just say oh we'll get back to you and never get back to you uh, like- that's generally the first response um and when i push on them it's more like well the policy as it stands is this which is usually like you know, fight, fight cis men. And then I ask, but the pu- policy isn't published anywhere. And there isn't like a clear discussion about it. It's all very like kind of wishy washy. And it, it's been hard to get any like, for me, like, look, I can, 
I can talk to people. Like I can reach out. My coach can reach out. I'm lucky in that regard. But like, God knows how many other, you know, trans folks that are wondering, you know, what do they even sign up for? And they don't, you know, have the wherewithal or the connections to reach out to Johnny Davis or whomever. And so there's not. And then come fight day. It's like, surprise. Yeah, well, it's, it's more like there's no posted policy. So people just don't like, you know, that's, that's the knee jerk right. when you're, especially cause like, you know, people have their own like emotions and their own worries. And, you know, if, if you don't, if it feels hostile, you're just not going to go. Right. And so it's kind of a self-reinforcing right. thing where there's not policies. And so people don't reach out and then, you know, that, that kind of cycle. And again, not unique to Muay Thai. I mean, it's just something we got to get through by having visibility. Got it. In your experience, what are the arguments or like the, the main obstacles to keep you from fighting, just entering and not having to ask so many questions? Like, what are what do you think are the main obstacles to to you just choosing who you think that you are more alike? Well, the most obvious one is just having stated policies that at least gives you a starting point. As far as like, who's like, like, frankly, I don't know who's like the perfect person for me to fight. I mean, my sense is that if there's tall ladies and there's no one else to fight, they would probably prefer to fight me than, you know, cis men. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the biggest, the biggest obstacles, I think, is just like a lack of interest in discussing it. And when the discussions are happening, I think they tend to be either behind closed doors without, especially without trans folks or even like cis lady fighters involved. For the most part, it seems like a lot of guys running promotions talking to each other. And then... And it's like, it's like, what do they know about inclusion? Right. Or it's, like, or it's like, like the <laughs> audience of social media, where it's a bunch of like douchebags trolling and just like, you know, shit talking, whatever trans lady is like on the video screen or whatever. But it's, you know, it's, I don't think there's a lot of like really obvious answers, like, but the fact that there's so little discussion, that discussion is so closed off is tough. I'm, I'm putting aside, you know, there's, as far as like the, the arguments you hear, like, you know, I mean, there's always the people that are just like, transphobic assholes that are just like it's just men trying to beat up women which like sure put those people aside there's always going to be that and then i think it really is just people having concerns about you know safety uh, fairness those are two big ones and then the counterpoint is inclusion um and you know to be honest there's not a lot of good settled science it's very small scale studies very rarely related to athletes at this performance level we're at uh, small cohorts not very longitudinal you see them for one to two years like well, maybe three to four years is a good idea for combat sports. Like, who knows? Like, we don't know. There's not like a lot of data. So it, it does put promotions in a bind because, you know, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. There's always going to be someone mad at you if they don't like what they see. But right. But at the same time, it's like <laughs> there's not enough well-known knowledge or just data in general. And you have all these like transphobic assholes running around, <laughs> right. their, you know, running their mouth around. So this is what they're basing it off. Yes. A lot of their policies off of, you know, so. And just like, I also like when people talk about fairness and not including trans people in, in sport, like and using fairness as like an argument for me, it's just like, but what do you mean by fairness? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Fair. Because like even like. If, if you look at all what we think are cis women within a division of any sport, it's just like some of these people had opportunities because they had more money. Some of these other people had opportunities because they had a certain type of body yep. or, you know, so on and so forth. So it's like if, if we're talking all about fairness, yeah. like, you know, what is fair and yep. what is not fair? Like uh, and to also just hit women against each other. Mm -hmm. I it, it, it just takes away from like the inclusion aspects like all right well women in general also don't get paid as much as men then why are you trying to undermine already marginalized yep. group 
And for me, it's just certain things like that that just don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the safety, when you asked me like at the seminar, like, where do you see trans women in the sport? It was instinct for me to just say like, well, trans people, they belong in the sport. How? I don't know. And uh, upon talking to you, it seemed like you had like a very similar thought process. It's like, yeah, I want to do it, but we don't know the best way to do it as of yet. And just also hearing that and also hearing you say like, oh, uh, cis women are worried about their safety or people argue that cis women should worry about their safety. What about what about the safety of a trans woman such as you who has been on hormones for 10 years? You know, what about your safety? And when you brought up that point, I was like, she is so right. (laughs) Like I like that thought has never crossed my head even though I was never arguing against trans people being in sports, but that, that thought just like never crossed my head. And I never see that also like being used as a point of discussion mm-hmm. in anything sure. really. And you, you were like the first person I heard it from just like, yeah, having that very short conversation with you, like I said uh, to you earlier, it just really got like, gave me a lot of food for thought. It just really made me wonder like, Hmm, we don't have all the answers, but what can we do about it? Sure. Yeah, I don't think what we're doing now is working. Which is basically not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty apparent. Like, I don't think anybody's happy with that either. <laughs> like, really, it seems like promotions are just trying to avoid blowback, right? So they're not really publishing policies. And then, you know, there aren't enough trans people. So it like goes by. But I can tell you in my fights, like, definitely everyone's hit a lot harder than me. Like, I've dropped a couple weight classes. And I'm, you know, it's not a coincidence. I'm doing weight training. So like, mm-hmm. maybe you can show there's marginal advantages. like from a statistical perspective, because obviously from a practical perspective, you know, there's always the Ronald Russis can beat all of our S's. But like, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm an outlier compared to the average cis lady. But like, probably the force from like a cis guy to myself is scarier than the force from myself with a cis lady. Like if it's really about safety, but I think it's more about who we prioritize safety for. When people make generalizations, they usually mean like the average woman to the yeah, average Which doesn't man, really make a lot of sense right? in fight sports. Like it doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't like like what is something that you have that a cis woman does not have yeah i don't know you know what i mean like so so then so it's not like you have like this tremendous amount of strength that only cis men have no i mean (laughs) you can make arguments around recovery time you can make arguments around muscle mass like density like i have small tits Mm -hmm. like you put you know that's like all these things there's variance among you know all genders, obviously. And also like the real impact in amateur sports. It's like, I mean, all I know is when I'm fighting, like so far, almost all my fights, it's big dudes coming down, trying to take my head off, marching me down, bowling me around the ring. So I've been working hard on my footwork and stuff because, you know, I'm still going to fight them. But like, you know, uh, the people that look more like me are in the other division and those fights look a lot more fun. (laughs) So I can say, but you know, I want to fight people. And also realistically, like I'm fighting at 153. Now there might be a division for that in the cis women division, but there's not a lot of folks fighting at my height, you know, on the other side of the gender spectrum. So it's, I want to be careful about making too strong a point because I want fights. And my sense is that, you know, cis women who are bigger are already getting shafted by availability, which, you know, you start to question, well, like, you know, maybe they should just be able to fight anybody if they don't have fights. But, you know, that gets into a whole other set of questions around safety or whatever. Right, right. What do you think that people can do as of like right now to make things more accessible for you and other trans people in sports and combat sports? I mean, Muay Thai in America is still growing. So I wouldn't say like, 
I would say that people who who are trans and are trying to be a Muay Thai fighter is especially like very niche topic yep. and niche problem. Uh, but what what is something that everyone across the board can do to kind of make things more accessible? Uh, well, first of all, if there's any trans folks out there interested in fighting, Angela can put you in touch with me. Feel free to reach out. Not that I have answers. I'm just a baby amateur, but you know, community. Um, but simplest thing for both promotions, just publish policies. Even if they're crappy policies, at least there's policies and people can ask you and challenge you about them because right now by not publishing policies, it's just like no conversation. Um, and then I would say you know, from the community, like demand policies uh, and especially like if you're a cis lady and you're not thrilled with the gender division stuff either, like, you know, speak up. There's a lot of commonality, especially when it comes to like higher weight classes and just not having folks to fight. Like, I think, you know, there's reasons for that that go beyond trans stuff. I think there's issues with how promotions are gearing their events. And so it benefits all of us to be, you know, putting more of a lens on that. I um, mean, definitely having discussion around it. I meant just the sort of support work a community should do for people that are a little on the edge, reach out, you see someone that seems like they don't know where they fit in, you know, try to encourage them. If you see them at an event, be friendly. I've been, I've been really grateful. Honestly, every event I've gone to, I've been honestly getting swarmed by people a little bit after my fights. It's a little exhausting. That's part of why I don't have a public Instagram is like, can handle that. But like, you know, people are happy to see us there. Right. And, you know, that's good to see. And, People need to know that that's what they can expect when they walk up. They're not going to expect, you know, the shit that's on the internet, right? So, yeah, I think conversation, you know, welcoming, and then from a promotional perspective, just publishing policies and, you know, standing behind them and having listening sessions, you know, if you're not sure about what to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, would it help if I put together like kind of like a template email for people to put out to like organizational bodies or people that organize tournaments, just kind of seem like one demanding a policy? to have something in the policy that clearly states things about inclusion. Would I be right to say that? Yeah, that'd be a step in the good good direction. I would also include um, maybe a, a demand of around engagement with community in different forms, cis women, trans women, you mm -hmm. know, cis, cis men, trans men, like it's not just trans women. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm too new to the scene to do that, but that's where you got to start is you got to get respected folks to start, you know, belly aching a little bit. And it's not promotions like right. they're just busy. Right. They, they got a lot of things to juggle. It's a typical problem. So, you know, it, it slips by. So, yeah, it would help, help, you know, to have folks like trying to start that dialogue. Absolutely. Uh, the only other thing I could say is um, a really, really easy win is to like in the now stop making trans women fight in a division called the men's division. <laughs> like feels like shit. Right. Like right. and it's inaccurate. Yeah. I mean, if it's if the division is everybody but cis women, then probably the men's division isn't the right word. Uh, in the courier scene, what we do is we call things open and closed, where open is anybody can enter it, closed is restricted to different, you know, marginalized groups that are what defined in certain ways. Uh, the bicycle courier scene. Oh, okay, okay. It's um, I used to be a bike courier. Um, but yeah, it's just a different, it's a different uh -huh. competitive scene. That's kind of, it's similar. It's small community. They have events that draw in regional or worlds. Um, and they have loose networks organizing them. You know, it's not like pro boxing or something or, you know, golden gloves. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't fix things, right? It's just terminology at some level, but at least like, <laughs> I mean, like, I would feel bad telling like some, you know, some baby trans fighter to, oh, yeah, come fight. Like, I mean, you know, because they're going to be put in the men's division and they're going to feel like shit. Like, you know, not everybody like I've been out for 10 years. Like, I'm used to that. Like, it's not it doesn't cause me the same level of distress. It might have like eight or nine years ago. But like, I mean, that's a that's unconscionable. And it's an it's a easy thing to change. It's just terminology. Like, honestly but right but, mm -hmm. but that'd be a that'd be a quickie you know 
discussion, policies, engagement, but then also like fix your language would be, you know, where I would start. Got it. You bring up a good point uh, with that was also something that we touched upon upon like, well, how do you see things being kind of changed to be more accepting of everyone is you suggested, oh, they should just have like an open division yep. where anyone can join. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Is there any, are there any other fixes that you can see being like either like short term or in the long run kind of solutions that uh, you see it being possible to to achieve? Well, I mean, I think for for like semi-contact events, like if you look at Thailand, like men fight women in bars all the time. They're casual fights. They're not trying to take each other's heads off. And I think, you know, having a recognizing a distinction between, you know, what types of events there are and like whether they all need to have the exact same rule set around divisions. PKB is like, I mean, the women, there's like four adult women there. They like, it's usually they're fighting somebody 20 pounds heavier than them. It's like stupid. Like there's no need for that like gender separation. So those ones are easy. As far as like what to do at full contact events where, you know, people are cutting weight and training and are going to going for knockouts. I don't think there's easy answers. I think, you know, just splitting it by gender is just a shorthand that doesn't really like, I mean, you still have bad matchups. Like it's not really, it's not just about gender. I mean, you know, from a promotional perspective, like the the nicest answer is just, well, do really careful, like considerate, considerate matchups, like, and, you know, just make sure that, you know, both fighters are happy with them and go for it, which, you know, for a fight night sort of promotion that works, but for a big tournament where you have, you know, a hundred people registering, it's, I recognize it's not practical. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I were a promoter and I, you know, I could get the, the gaming board on board to let me do whatever, um, I would, I would probably just quit, uh, put division making on hold and wait till people get there and just like get consent of participants. You know, if, if, if that's practical from a logistical perspective, I think at that point, the only person that is going to be pissed or just like armchair people. But if the fighters are happy, especially like, again, like higher weight classes, like from what I've seen, it's pretty sparse. So I don't think you're going to have a lot of objections. You know, if I show up and I can fight, you know, if someone else sits around my height, around my size, like, I don't think, I think they would probably prefer that than fighting a cis guy or nobody. Right. So I don't know, but I think really there's not a lot of shortcuts. Like there's got to be in in the absence of really clear, like unbiased, largely sampled longitudinal science, it's just got to be community engagement and discussion and come to some agreements around our priorities. Right. Cause we all want to balance these things like safety, fairness, like, you know, inclusion. They're not, there's not clear answers to any of them. It's just going to be a set of value judgments around what we think are most important. So I think that's just something we have to discuss. And I think it needs to be the people, you know, participating in that events who really are driving that, you know, promoters should, should have legitimate concerns around legality, around logistics and promoting. Like, I understand, like, there's going to be some constraints. But, you know, when it comes to, like, stuff that isn't just, like, a infrastructure, like, event organizing concern like i think it really should be the fighters that drive that because we're the ones we're the ones putting our bodies out there right and and in the case of the tournaments we're the ones paying yeah, for it that so. too, yeah <laughs> sure i mean all amateur fighters we're the ones yeah. paying for yeah. it and honestly people they wouldn't have a show they wouldn't have a tournament without amateur fighters yep. so at what point would you say what would be like the monumental moment in your fight career where you're like ah oh, yes finally oh i mean for me, it'd just be when I can like fully implement, you know, the my game plan and like feel good about, you know, how I do in the ring, be able to use some more higher level combos, get better at like reacting to things as people are throwing them and not just like, you know, throwing single strike. I mean, for me, it'd be just like personally being happy about my, you know, my development. Um, 
but you know, I, I'd be happy to see inclusive policies and be able to find a division that reflects my gender identity. That'd be great too. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, like, frankly, like, I'd be thrilled if by the time I'm done fighting, there's really good rules, but I'm kind of resigned myself to like fight against cis dudes, like mostly for while I'm fighting, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing it five years, 10 years, like, hopefully we'll get somewhere by then. But like, you know, my, my motivation and my like, successes are kind of based on like my internal progression at this point, I, I don't think it's a really a safe environment to look to for external like validation right now. Because again, I'm fighting guys like it's all like, whatever. Yeah, I agree. Of course, like everything that you do, it has to come from you, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever people say to you, it's like, oh, it's like, it's just like the cherry on top of the cake, but it's not necessary, yeah, you know, pretty nice, be nice. Do you think in a way, though, like just you making yourself visible out there in the fight scene? Do you think that's helping people start conversations and trying to change these policies that or develop policies uh, in general or just get people thinking about okay where do we include trans people in muay thai yeah i mean there's so little visibility any visibility is better and my experience at a like in person is that usually there are a lot of people that come up to me and some of whom have questions about how to support their their fighters so that's that's great to see and you know i mean look at mma we have the second trans lady fighting uh, alana mclaughlin and like it's a huge hubbub like it doesn't take a lot to get conversation going um so you know i i I feel very new in the scene like i i'm still kind of finding my bearing but is how it's got to go is you got to show up and you got to talk to folks and hopefully get more trans folks you know feeling able to come because that's really where the wheels start turning Right. And I know that you you keep saying like you're very, very new to the scene, but I feel like part of the reason why I wanted you on the podcast was also just to get your experiences as they're fresh, as you're going through them, as you're learning about everything within the Muay Thai fight scene and uh, where you can go, you know? So, I mean, if I spoke to you 10 years down the line, you were still, and you were still fighting, I mean, who knows if you'd be able to share the things with the same amount of energy that you're sharing them now, you know, maybe, maybe 10 years down, you'd be like, ah, oh, fuck this. Yeah, well, <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully I'll feel more positive <laughs> in 10 years, but yeah, I, I see your point for sure. I mean, I got a little bit of, I got a little bit of hope. So let's say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of hope. I feel like generally, you know, people's attitudes about inclusion are moving in a very good direction. Yep. So I, I do have a lot of hope. I mean, like the, like when I go there, like, the staff are happy to see me. Like the doctors are like kind of confused. I'm in the men's division, but they're supportive. I've had judges like come up to me afterwards. It's like definitely like in terms of the actual people in the scene, it's, you know, it's been pretty positive. And that's why we need discussion, right? Is if we all have these opinions, why is it still so like crappy? Right, right. I get it. I know that you said that Muay Thai for you is a hobby. Mm-hmm. Are there any goals that you want to achieve other than just getting better? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I'd like, I like more fights and I'd like to feel like I, you know, I, I'm proud of how I did in my fights. I'd like to, you know, fight with elbows, <laughs> which I think I get to do later this week here. Looks like my coach is going to sign off. I'd like to see, you know, more peers, like, you know, my partner trains, like, you know, other trans folks. It'd be great to, you know, feel like I have a more of a community around me. And I, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like around me as in like enrichment, right? Cause there's community everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love to see policies. I'm a, I'm kind of a political, political minded. So when I when I see something like this, I want to push on it. So it's, uh, that'd be pretty satisfying, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just mostly just want to get better, though. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. I mean, <laughs> what can coaches do for their athletes who are in a in a similar position as you are 
you said that you have some people you had some people going up to you and asking you for advice what are some things that you told them or what are some things that you would add to that or change um yeah it wasn't so much asking me for advice on the spot because i was like probably concussed and they were just exchanging contact information <laughs> but uh you know like i dropped by a gym in new york um diamond heart muay thai because you know they're a lot of it's they just want to expose their fighters to people that are more like them. So I would say that's a great impulse, right? If you have somebody that you don't, that doesn't see people like them, even if they're a cis lady and you just have a gym full of big dudes, like, you know, arranging contact and like training opportunities and, you know, sharing experiences with people that you can relate to, I think is always valuable, you know, whatever the group of people you're talking about. Um, I think, you know, on a political level, coaches, especially if they care about supporting their fighters, should be pushing promotions on policy. So, yeah, if there's some sort of letter going along, please sign up on, please sign up, you know. And then um, also, you know, if so, you have a fighter that wants to fight and is ready to deal with the situation as it stands. I mean, I think what my coach Jared did is a great example. Just, you know, use the connections you have, reach out, try to raise enough of a fuss to get an answer and so your your fighter knows what to do and then show up and support them. And you know, give them good advice if they're going to fight someone that might be stronger than them, help help them prepare for that, right? Like, you know, just yeah. like you would for any any fighter, but it, it becomes especially important because of, you know, potential differences. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you would tell trans people in the Muay Thai community who are just starting out or thinking about competing? Or why would you even tell your former self, like any pieces of advice you would give them or just heads up about anything? I mean, go for it. People are really nice when you get there. Um, probably cut a little more weight than you're thinking if you're fighting guys. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, I did okay. I almost won my division in WKs. Like, you know, you're not totally outgunned, especially in amateurs. It's such a crapshoot anyway. Like, you know, who you're going to be against, like how experienced they are, how strong they are. So don't psych yourself out. Just focus on your, your skills, your game plan, and just go in with your eyes open you know, and be ready to be a little offended by some things, but people are generally going to be nice to you. And mm-hmm. we got to show up, you know, if you want other people like you to show up, there's no way around that. So mm. thank you for sharing all of that. I hope this also inspires some people the same way that uh, that conversation with you that I had so many months ago, like stuck in my head and just really wanted me to get another conversation going. So hopefully it gets other people who are listening in to just do similar things and just also question the things that they think are normal and let's all see some progress in swearing be more inclusive yeah yeah absolutely well thanks for inviting me but uh <laughs> gotta get some wheels turning well of course is there anything you wanted to add that you think people should know or any words of wisdom to part people with or anything you want uh not so deep as that but um, just something really interesting food for thought um uh sylvie van douglas in uh in thailand has a fighter at the gym named angie it's a trans lady that fights cis men um and she's on hormones she was actually the first tra- woman to fight at lumpany so it's a really interesting story and she just started fighting again so uh if you want to hear a completely different interview from a different perspective go check her out too um because you know in the states we have our own situation but it's a very different situation in thailand too and it's raises a lot of questions about you know like gender and <laughs> misogyny and all the all the stuff <laughs> absolutely absolutely how can people get in contact with you follow your journey uh, i know you're not really public on social media so if you don't want to drop your handle don't don't feel pressured to but is there any way is there anything you want to plug or shout out or uh yeah i mean i'm, I'm just a private instagram just photos of my dog so not not my muay thai face i would say if you're trying to get in touch with me talk to angela you know, if folks are trying to like start organizing and want to have a more open community, you know, we can make a mailing group or, or Reddit, subreddit or something like, you know, and then I'd be happy to participate. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I mostly am interested in talking to trans folks, you know, and if, if people are trying to draft a letter, it'll help. 
but you know, I'm, I'm just some random fighter. Like we all need to talk to each other. It's not just, just me. We all need the support where we can get it. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an easy journey. No. <laughs> Moying is the first platform to focus those on Muay Thai that don't get the attention that they rightfully deserve. We also have articles on preparing for your trip to Thailand, fights, historical moments that have happened in the past year, and much more on moi-ying.com. We also have a Patreon account if you'd like to support us financially so we can keep producing quality content for you. Uh, and that's on patreon.com slash moiying. Moiying is one word. You can follow me, Angela Chang, via Instagram, Angela Sitan, S-I-T-A-N. If you can review, subscribe, and share this episode, we'd greatly appreciate it. It will help this podcast grow. Thank you, Jess, for coming on. I had so much fun talking with you, and I wish you all the best in your... You have three upcoming fights, right? Uh, yeah, January, February, March. Yep, first one's in Columbus, Georgia. Busy! Yeah. I mean, if I'm doing the camp, I might as well just keep it rolling, right? I don't want to have to, you know, easier to... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, thanks for coming on, Jess. Thank you for listening to Moyin, the first platform focused on those in the Muay Thai community that deserve more attention than they get. For more information on training, fighting, living in Thailand, and other episodes, please visit moy-ying.com. This is your host, Angela Chang, signing off. See you in the next episode of Moyin.